This is the Idea Time Show, Idea Time Show with Dr. Joe North, helping facilitators expand their creativity, confidence, and impact through the power of innovation in action. Gain confidence as a facilitator, confidence with the technology, and confidence with your content and event design. Tune in every week for practical tips, strategies and interviews that will accelerate your personal and business success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Joe North. We've got a really special podcast episode here because it's a real case study for Cat Surveys, which is a, a business that does underground surveys for utilities so that big infrastructure projects can be built. They're a small to medium-sized business based in the UK, and what they've done really successfully is to create an alternative complementary business model alongside their existing business model. You know, it's not often that we hear directly about digital innovation, uh, data-driven innovation from a small to medium-sized business that is really relatable. So we're going to hear about the CAT Survey's journey from their head of business and development, Simon Jefferson. And... Simon's going to explain how they found the time, the resources, and the, the drive to deliver that innovation, how they've been successful, and some of the challenges of getting a new innovation into what is quite a traditional sector and how the markets responded and the, the importance of collaboration in that. So it's a really interesting episode. You know, we often hear about big companies, brand names that we all know about how they're doing things. And that's great. We can learn from that. But sometimes, you know, it's just really good to find very relatable, uh, real stories that are closer to home that we can learn from. And this is a great episode. So I hope you enjoy it and look forward to hearing what you think. Simon, it's really fantastic to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining. You're doing some amazing things over at Cat Surveys with digital transformation and innovation. So before we get into that, do tell us about yourself and what you do and what Cat Surveys does as well. Thanks for inviting me on, Joe. Really delighted to be on the podcast. Really excited to be able to talk a little bit about some of the disruption we're bringing into some of the markets we service and, and how we're trying to focus on innovation to really drive the value that we can provide to our clients. So my role in CAT Surveys, I'm Head of Commercial and Business Development. I've got a very broad remit focusing on how we engage with our customers, the markets we serve, the service offerings we provide, and how we really kind of try and drive the value that we provide to our clients and, and focus on how we can really cement our relationships with clients, focusing on, on, on where we can add the most value into the projects that they're delivering. CAT Surveys, as the name suggests, is a surveying business. We provide a range of complex survey solutions and data solutions into the large infrastructure markets in the UK. So that's large civil engineering projects. We do a lot of high barrier to entry work. So things like nuclear sites, aviation. We operate throughout the United Kingdom and we're very fortunate that we've, we're able to get involved in some of the biggest, most high profile uh, projects in the UK. So things like High Speed 2, some of the large uh, highways, motorway schemes, We've worked extensively at Heathrow. So we're really lucky we get to work with some amazing clients on some amazing projects. And naturally, we want to innovate, we want to disrupt, we want to be able to really drive the value that we can bring to those projects. Explain a little bit about what the disruption is, how things used to be done or are done still in some places, and how your digital solution 
transforms that? What difference is it actually making on the ground? So can you bring that to life and just give us some examples of that? Surveying is is quite a traditional service and it's quite a traditional industry and and actually when you look at kind of what you would what you would naturally think about as surveying it's not really changed that much in many many years you know it still uses very very similar technology to provide very very similar data sets and i think cat surveys has always tried wherever possible to think about how we can use new technologies how we can think about technology slightly differently how we can use new digital solutions how we can think about how we interpret data and present data back to the clients differently uh, and the reason for that is we we really want to try and and, uh, and maximize the value of the data that we're providing to clients so one of the things that we're really focused on is looking for new technologies, looking at how technologies can really enhance the, the, the service we're providing. And I think a really good example of that is what we would call mobile mapping, so mobile data capture. And that is mobile laser scanning or mobile ultra high definition um, photographic technology using that technology to capture huge amounts of data very quickly from site negating the need for putting lots of surveyors into the field, having lots of complex traffic management and health and safety issues, but getting the same quality of data, uh, but just getting lots more of it more quickly. And then having the flexibility to use that data both in a desktop environment, away from site, model it differently, run it through different, potentially different machine learning algorithms, but just have the flexibility to both capture more data more quickly and utilize it differently when you're actually trying to a- a- analyze it and interpret it. Just to break that down a little bit then. So can we take an example like I want to dig up a road or I want to lay a new railway track or build some new houses. Can you talk through some of the use cases and show what's done traditionally and how you can use technology to do that different in a real sort of live environment that most people would yeah, relate absolutely. to. I think, I think highways is a really good environment for this kind of technology. So traditionally, if you think about highway maintenance is a great example. So you, you have lots and lots of time and money spent on resurfacing roads, repainting road markings, making sure that uh, road infrastructure is in the right place and to the right standard. And traditionally, a survey business would go out and they would physically take data from the field about where asset locations are. They would identify features and they would collect that data using a static laser scanner, potentially. Sorry to interrupt. So what do you mean by in terms of assets? So potentially uh, drainage covers, um, railings, bollards, road signs, um, even things down to things like tactile paving. So a whole range of different information that's really important when you are coming to the end of the project and you've finished your resurfacing to make sure that everything is put back or is left in exactly the state that it was prior to the resurfacing going on. And collecting that data, as I said, tended to be a process of putting people into the field to physically collect that data. Now, there's a couple of really key issues with that. One is you're in a highway, so you potentially are having to stop up the road, use use traffic management, which is going to be disruptive to the local community. It's going to be disruptive to road users, uh, and it's going to increase the time spent on site because you're having to physically close the road and go and collect that data. The second thing is 
it is just more difficult to put physical resource into the field. There's health and safety issues, there's weather constraints. There's a whole range of issues that can make that much more difficult to manage and not terribly efficient. So utilizing mobile technology. So in, in this particular instance, we would utilize a mobile laser scanner technology where we can drive the particular section of road at road speed. We can collect vast amounts of data using a very, very cutting edge mobile laser scanner, which is effectively shooting out laser beams all around the vehicle. And, and as those uh, bounce back off uh, features, you collect what's called a point cloud, which is a very, very complex data set. And we can then take that away, bring that back into the office environment, analyze and render that data and clean that data and create effectively a, a digital representation of the environment which is very very accurate is that what's sometimes referred to as a digital twin yeah some people would refer to it as a digital twin and the, the beauty of it is you may be just collecting the data to feed into the resurfacing design so the particular client may just be interested in things like the location of drainage gullies the location of the street markings the curb heights and things like that but actually because you're collecting data of everything that you're you're seeing or the laser scanner is seeing you're collecting a much richer data set which you can potentially use for a multi multitude of other um, uses so potentially that client could think about using it for planning future works on that road they could use it for reciting assets if they if they needed to they could use it for a, a variety of different uses rather than just collecting one set of data to feed into one particular project. And CAT Surveys is the first, if not one of the first, to market with this solution, with, with doing digital surveys in this way. How have different industries responded? Have they welcomed the new solution with welcome arms or have some been more resistant than others to the change? That's a really interesting question and, and, and it's... Um... Yeah, it has a variety of answers because I think each industry has a very, very rich variety of businesses within it. And all of those businesses have their own strategic objectives, their own digital transformation agendas. In a lot of the markets we service, there is a tendency to, to take a traditional approach to a lot of the projects that we're involved with. However, markets are definitely changing and there is definitely a move to embrace new technologies, new digital solutions. Uh, and there's a growing recognition that the more high quality data you can collect and you can feed into projects throughout the project ecosystem and throughout the project lifecycle, the more impact you can make, positive impact you can make on project delivery. I think there's one industry where we are seeing a really positive response and that's telecoms. We're definitely seeing much more uptake in the highway space as companies who are doing a lot of things like road reinstatement, road resurfacing programs, see the value of collecting a vast amount of data quickly, and then they can potentially use that through a multitude of different projects. Um, and then there are some industries where I think there is almost a reluctance to think about using new technology because they, there is a perceived risk that if something doesn't work, project risk is, is going to be too great and therefore no one is kind of prepared to be at the vanguard of that, of, of that adoption. So I think it's, it's, it's very much a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. However, there's definitely a direction of travel that 
digital technologies are being more and more valued and seen as very, very useful within the kind of project ecosystem. And why do you think that industries such as the telecoms industry are more receptive? What What's the distinguishing feature between those industries that are and those that that aren't so into finding new ways of doing things and improving and changing? I think one of the driving factors for the telecoms industry is there are a particular set of market conditions at the moment which are really driving a market expansion. So the the move to fibre to the home, the move to full fibre broadband, the desire for quicker and quicker connectivity into businesses, but also into the home, driven by home working, by the exponential increase in streaming, in connectivity, in things like we're doing, so online uh, online meetings, is driving a massive expansion of the fibre broadband network. And what we're seeing is many, many new businesses building new fibre broadband networks. And because of that, you have a set of market conditions, which means new entrants into that market have to be quick. They have to build their networks quickly because you have to be able to commercialise your new infrastructure as quickly as possible. Otherwise, there's no point building it. And I think that's driving people to think slightly differently about how they potentially build, how they potentially design differently, how they try and optimise their processes to really drive this kind of accelerated delivery. And certainly we're seeing in the telecoms industry a desire to utilise data in a way that really drives positive project outputs, use it in a way that really feeds into optimising the design process to essentially make sure that new network build is actually deliverable, Mm -hmm. um, which is absolutely critical because, as I said, it's really a race for space. And and to to be successful, you have to be quick and you have to deliver your infrastructure quickly. And is there a certain sort of client relationship that is needed in order to get that data, deliver the brief quickly, and for that data to be of optimal use to the client? I mean, how, how do you work together with clients in order to get that outcome? What does that mean for your innovation relationship? You have to have a collaborative relationship with a client. And and at times that's really difficult because often you're in a, a multiple supply chain environment where you are providing a single service into a complex kind of project. And oftentimes clients really don't want to collaborate in that environment. They just want to deliver a service at a fixed price and, and that's kind of all they care about. So what we find is that we, we're really successful where we're in really collaborative relationships where the client recognises the value of partnership working, where they're prepared to actually almost take a step back and, and think about things differently, you know, in, in close discussion with us. One of the really positive client relationships we have was driven very much by the client recognising that actually there were completely new technologies in the marketplace there were different options and actually recognizing in conversation with us that they could completely disrupt the way they were getting data and use it in a completely different way to massively optimize their processes. But I think they were of a certain mindset where, you know, they recognized the technology was changing. They recognized also that they had some really um, challenging delivery targets to meet, uh, you know, and really challenging clients of their own. 
uh, and they needed to do something which was slightly different. Um, yeah. You know, and we, we collaborated with, the, with that particular client and, and, and developed a really, really innovative solution for them. Yeah, I think this will be so useful for innovators and entrepreneurs listening in who are working on new products and solutions or already have them and sometimes can feel very frustrated that they can see the benefit but sometimes the customer isn't yet seeing the value. And I think yeah. this is a great example, actually, of, of finding those customers who are ready to change and be the early adopters of the change so that you can get some momentum going and then it will it will snowball from there, won't it? It, it will continue to grow. It's, it's really important because I think the way I sort of think about different types of customer is there are those customers that know they have a problem and know that you can provide a solution for them or know where to find the solution. There are those customers who know they've got a problem but don't yet know where to find a solution. So then you've got to you know, find them and, and put yourself in front of them. And, and then there are those customers that don't know they've got a problem. So And then it's an education piece to do there. So that's why finding the early adopters and, and working with those and having that collaborative relationship, particularly where innovation is involved. You need customers, don't you, who are happy to give things a go in a calculated, well thought through, considered way, be happy to take a reasonable amount of risk with you. I think you're absolutely right. There has to be an appetite to change within a very defined risk envelope. And the client, which I'm talking about, you know, wasn't gung-ho about this. It was a very measured approach. It was a, mm. you know, a very, very specific requirement. And we worked collaboratively to, to, to develop something which was going to solve the problem that they knew they had. But yeah, you, you, you have to be in a situation where there is a real openness to what the art of the possible is. And actually, there is almost a, a, a desire not only to change, but to make sure that change has longevity. Because one of the things that, that we see, um, certainly in, in some of the markets that we work in at CAT Surveys, there can be a desire to change that isn't really followed through in a strategic way. And change can be done in isolation and technology can be adopted in isolation or digital solutions can be adopted in isolation and never break out of this, you know, of, of, of the kind of environment in which they've been um, introduced. And I think that can be really frustrating because if you have a really good solution, which is delivered value, but it's delivered value in isolation, not seeing that being embraced on an organisational scale can often be really, really frustrating. I mean, Cat Surveys is a super entrepreneurial business, isn't it? So you were doing surveys in the traditional way and then and then worked on innovating the technological approach to doing surveys. How did you do that and why? What were the changes that you needed to do culturally and from a mindset point of view? And then how did you do it from a cultural perspective inside the organisation? I mean, it's important to say that we still do a lot of what you would class as traditional surveying, and, and we haven't kind of turned our back on that at all. And it's still an incredibly important part of our business. Yeah. But I think the fact that it's much harder to create a recognisable USP and value proposition if you're just doing exactly the same as everyone else and all of your competitors. And what we were really focused on was was really trying to enhance the service we provided drive more value in the data we provided and we couldn't really achieve that just doing things in the same way they've always been done because there were natural limits to what you can achieve 
Um, so what really drove us was the ability to capture multiple different data sets very quickly. So using mobile technologies, as, a, you know, as I've already talked about, but also thinking about how we could create data outputs, which potentially could be utilized much more widely within a project environment. So traditionally, a survey output tends to be used in isolation at various points within a project. So if I think about a large civil engineering project, you may do a survey right at the beginning prior to design to inform the design process. You may then do another survey uh, to inform um, health and safety aspects of the project, of so safe digging. Uh, and then you may even do other surveys during the project uh, for things like the change in project environment, spoil heap changes, things like that. But they tend to be done in isolation. And what was driving our kind of desire to change was really trying to see how we could deliver almost a, a kind of cradle to grave approach in terms of how our data could be collected and then how it could be utilized throughout the project rather than thinking about using multiple different partners to deliver multiple different solutions and that really kind of drove our thinking around mobile data capture technology how we utilize that and, and some of the outputs that we provided thinking about how we implemented that change internally well our business has lots of surveyors in it and they've worked in our business for a long time. They've delivered services really well. They're very expert. They know what they're doing. And one of the dangers with any kind of implementation of new technology or digital transformation solutions is this kind of almost natural fear that you're you're going to be replacing that kind of human expertise. So we were, you know, very careful to for, to choose the right technology, utilize it in the right place, get people involved with utilizing that technology, um, drawing on the skills that we already had in the business, and make it really part of our kind of. Uh, overarching strategy as a business that digital was going to complement the existing more traditional services and it wasn't going to be a direct replacement for them it was really going to be a complementary part of our growth strategy rather than a kind of one or, or another approach you've got a fantastic culture in your business as well and i've experienced that directly and um, i can remember driving down a few months ago to, to come and see you. It's quite a long way away down in Essex uh, from where I am. And I had a flat tyre puncture and you were all absolutely amazing and wouldn't go home or anything in, until you'd help me sort it out and get it changed. And it was everybody was really kind. And th that is the culture of your business, isn't it? It's, it's a great place to work. People look after each other. And also there's an ethos of great customer service. I mean, do you think that helps with innovation or, or not? In my view, it must help you to innovate, collaborate and work together. But so talk about values, innovation, innovative culture and, and how that fits together for CAT surveys. There was definitely a joke in there somewhere about how many CAT surveys employees does it take to change a tyre? Because I know that my, my input was pretty much useless. <laughs> I left it to much more expert people. I think I just lent my uh, brute force. <laughs> no, you were you were great. You were all great, and you had further to travel than than I did that Only day. Only Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I think culture, people, values is a is a massive enabler for innovation because I think you know unless you have a business that is built on a foundation of people at its core, the right people, the right attitudes, the right expertise and underpinned by a really strong set of values and a really strong culture. Innovation can't really flourish because people are more reluctant, I think, to really embrace innovation because they're, 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 I think they're naturally 
more risk averse in, in organisations where kind of people aren't at the heart of that organisation. So I think, yeah, I think having a really strong people focused culture is a massive enabler. And I think it also makes it much easier to talk openly to the business about innovation, about what might work, what might not work, get people's open and honest opinions about how innovation is being utilised, where they can maybe see opportunities to do things differently. Uh, and I think, you know, having that openness and having that really kind of open dialogue with with your people just makes it much easier to, to, to kind of frame the discussion, makes it much easier to, to really get positive feedback and, and constructive feedback and utilise that as you kind of developed your approach, as you kind of developed the strategy. And, and I think people just are genuinely more bought into what you're doing as an organisation if they know that they're at the kind of heart of what that organisation is trying to achieve. And you achieve that very well as well as my own observation, of course, and experience, it's all the feedback that you get that, that demonstrates that and also the performance of the business as well mm. all indicate that. What do you think the leadership team does or is doing to create and shape such a great innovative culture at work? And I think a lot of leaders would say they try to do that, but what are some actions that Cat Surveys does that other organisations could do to get somewhere towards some of the results that you're getting? One of the key things is is being very clear about what we're trying to achieve. So having a very clear strategy, making sure that, that people understand that, giving people the opportunity to engage with that in a meaningful way. So we spend quite a lot of time as a business trying to really talk to, to the organisation about what we're trying to do, what we're trying to achieve. And making sure that, that people feel comfortable in, in terms of engaging with that, feeding back into that process. So I think that's really important. I think without real clarity of direction, it's very difficult to, to, to kind of bring people on that kind of shared journey. We're also very focused on trying wherever possible, uh, and this is one of the challenges we have post-COVID, of making CAT surveys feel like a real kind of family organization lots of organizations have struggled with, with with the natural impacts of covid of people hybrid working more people being more disconnected people being more electronically connected rather than physically connected and we have as well but certainly it hasn't kind of dampened our desire as an organization to make it feel like a family a lot of the people we have within the organization have been have been at cat surveys for multiple years and I think that reflects the fact that we are really trying to create an environment where people feel comfortable, valued and want to stay. Um, and we do quite a lot to harness that. So we have things like our, our, our Cat Fest, which is a celebration every year where we try and get the whole business together to spend a day just having fun. That typically follows our what we call our Vision Day, which is a day where we try and get together um, and really talk about the direction of the business, but in, in, in more of a kind of lighthearted way, not too heavy, but really getting everyone engaged. We try and do multiple stand-down days a year where, we again, we are engaging with teams which are often dispersed throughout the United Kingdom, working on projects in isolation and don't naturally get to, to speak to other people in the business all the time. But again, it's it's more opportunities to really engage, uh, but also just, just have some fun, get together, do something a bit different. 
and the other thing which we, we, we do is we really try and treat our people fairly and try and make work as easy as possible. So we spend a lot of time thinking about the impacts that events that we don't control have. So we spent a lot of time uh, in COVID trying to mitigate the impacts of COVID, trying to make that as easy as possible for the people. So they weren't having that additional worry of what was going to happen to them during the, the, the COVID pandemic. Similarly, in the cost of living crisis, we, we try wherever we can to really kind of minimise the impact of those outside influences wherever possible. When I work with a lot of businesses, sometimes regardless of size, but especially in small to medium-sized businesses, which CAT surveys is a small to medium-sized business, isn't it? Yeah. One of the most common things people say to me, and I hear it over and over, is that we're doing this, you know, we've got we've got a great core business, we've got some fantastic innovation ideas, but we just don't have the time to do them. We never get to it. So so what happens is these ideas that they've got for, for great innovations that, that could make a fantastic difference to customers and to the business get shelved um, almost indefinitely because they're so busy, head down, getting on with the day-to-day. So what is it that Cat Surveys has done differently to continue with the day-to-day and continue with the original method of surveying that you were doing, but also to be so successful in getting such a disruptive innovation off the ground and getting it to market, commercialising it and working with real clients. So it's become part of your proposition, a significant part of your turnover and your proposition. Yeah, that's a really good question because you're absolutely right. SME businesses especially tend to be laser focused on the now, that kind of constant pressure on cash flow and generating work for the business. And we're no different. I would love to say that we have lots of time to think strategically and workshop lots of ideas. and But in, in reality, we don't. But I think there's a couple of things that we, we've tried to do as an organisation. One is get external support. So you're supporting us at the moment and, and giving us some fantastic input into what we're potentially doing as a business in the short term. But actually, you know, getting external support, getting external expertise into a business can be really helpful because it can actually start to minimise the amount of time you have to spend because someone else is guiding that and, and really optimising the time spent. The other thing is just being very, very committed to achieving what you want to achieve. I think a lot of ideas tend to almost fall by the wayside because the commitment wanes as the day job encroaches. And as a senior management team within CAT Surveys, we've been had to be very disciplined to keep the focus going, keep the kind of energy going to develop the innovations that we've, we've looked at. And, and really just driving that all the way from the top throughout the business. So so driven via the managing director, who's very, very passionate about innovation and, and, and change. And that certainly helps because he's very supportive of allowing people the time to try and you know focus on, on what's different, what we can do differently, innovation and change. But yeah, having I think having that kind of real commitment within the business, real desire within the business, getting external expertise in where required to add value to the process, but also I think actually, you know, not being too ambitious as well. It's very easy to have lots and lots of ideas and actually none of them kind of bear fruit. Whereas we were very, very focused on a couple of very key areas where we thought could make a, a, an immediate impact and where we knew that we had familiarity with the technology already, 
So it wasn't going to be kind of huge leap of faith to, to, to start utilising it in a different way and starting to develop a different value proposition. So it's using your existing expertise, building on that, being super committed. And I think having lots of ideas is fantastic, but then it's focusing on the one or few that you really want to hone in on and, and make sure that you follow up and, and move that forward. And how do you keep evolving and developing and innovating that product and staying in front? Because you've got huge competitive edge at the moment and it's important to keep that competitive edge, isn't it, as other organisations develop, evolve, grow solutions. So how are you staying in front? For us, the key thing is pinpointing where we can bring complementary services into, into the value proposition. So if I think about the telecoms industry, we started out very much as a surveying business, um, looking at survey data. We've now created our digital network survey, which is a mobile data capture survey methodology with very, very flexible outputs. But we recognize that that's one piece of quite a large jigsaw and actually working either in conjunction with other kind of like-minded businesses or developing the expertise in-house, we can start to bolt in complementary service offerings to almost then develop a turnkey solution to what we're trying to achieve. Um, so we're now looking at doing telecoms design, using our, what we think is really, really market-leading data to actually do the design offering, thinking about what extra data is needed pre-build and seeing how we can think about bringing that data into the solution as well but always try to think you know what's going to add value to it what is going to really make the customer sit up and think actually this is a great solution this is really what i need to kind of take my pain points away in this process and i think you know one thing that's really important is not getting a great idea bringing it to market operationalizing it you know, and then sitting back and thinking, that's great. You know, we're just going to we're just going to be very, very happy that we've done that and actually, you know, think that that's the end of the journey, because actually that's just the start of the journey. That's just the start of the process of then evolving that, developing it, seeing what it becomes, seeing, you know, what different directions you can take. So, yeah, not not having a kind of sense of complacency once you've once you've achieved something and launched it and got it to market is also very, very important. I couldn't agree more. I call it replicable entrepreneurship. I've worked with numerous organisations of all shapes and sizes and sectors. It's not a small business thing or a big business thing. You ask them to talk about their latest innovation, they'll tell you all about it. And you say, so when was that? And often it was years and years ago. So how's it grown? How have you evolved it since then? Well, it's still pretty much as it was, you know. And And I think also sometimes when people have worked with that product in that organization for a long time, it's quickly how time flies. And you don't realize it's been five, six or whatever, however many years since you last did that thing. And, you know, technology is is moving so quickly, isn't it? Yeah. But they don't know how to repeat the entrepreneurial approach that got them the success in the first place. So they did a lot of things right to get a successful product, but they don't know what it is they did right, so they can't repeat it. And I think that's a really important thing you're saying there that you know cat surveys understands why it's got things right and it knows how to repeat that and, and keep that as part of its dna so i think this is another issue as well simon is that i, I talk to organizations and they think that innovation is something that you do on top of the day job it's not integrated into the day job you know it needs to be part of what we do every day 
and staying appropriate and, and staying on top of things and keeping ahead. You know, it's something that always needs working at. So it's just just really in, interesting because it's about mindset, isn't it? You know, it's very easy to kind of think that the day job and innovation are two completely separate things which are done in isolation. And, and you know, they both have merit, but actually I do innovation you know, for this few hours of the day, and I do the day job for this few hours of the day. And actually, you're completely right. Unless you're embedding it into into everything that you do, it's really difficult to kind of embrace innovation. It's And, and I think it's exactly the same with post-innovation when you're talking about change. You know, people see change as, as almost, a, you know, a, a point-in-time process, where actually a really innovative organization should be constantly changing. And actually, change should be part of the day job because... You know, if I just reflect on our journey in, in terms of creating this digital network survey, we actually launched it probably two years ago now. On the surface, it looks relatively similar to the, to the service we're, we're providing today. But when you kind of scratch beneath the surface, it's completely different. We've completely changed how we interpret the data, how we use the data. We've completely changed how we gather the data. The technology is different. Our backend processes are different. The, the 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 platform on which we host the data is now different. The outputs are different, and that has been a completely dynamic process over the course of two years, where change has been constant and innovation has been constant during that time as well. Yeah, it reminds me of, and this is a few years ago, but I read something about Boeing airplanes and how they look really similar to what they look like 10 years ago or, or, or longer. But actually, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of, of individual components and things that make up the aircraft. And each one of those has changed and evolved numerous times to be better, yeah. more robust, more resilient, lightweight, more eco-friendly, and, and all the things. And actually, the aircraft doesn't resemble what it looked like over a decade ago. It does in appearance, but actually, you know, the integrity of the construction, how it works and what it flies on and all of those things has completely changed. The whole thing has changed multiple yeah. times, which is really interesting, I, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So it's important to keep moving. And and what do you make of artificial intelligence, AI and data? And, and how is that affecting CAT Survey's plans for the future, if you're allowed to tell us? AI is a really interesting area. It's an area where it's going to exponentially improve as we see computing power exponentially increase. Uh, and it's really interesting because, you know, just today, starting to mess around with chat GPT and seeing how unbelievably powerful that is as a tool and thinking about tools like that, AI is going to play a huge part in, in not just surveying, but data analysis, data interpretation, and, and I think data modeling. It's really interesting I think that the issue with AI is you have to put a lot of effort and time and uh, resource into teaching algorithms what to do. But I think that's going to be the next leap forward when the algorithm is actually kind of almost gathering the data for itself to teach itself how to get better. Because that's one of the limitations at the moment. If I think about what we do, a lot of the really positive stuff that AI could do would be things like automatic feature recognition. So knowing that a signpost is a signpost is, is, is pretty simple, but knowing that a signpost is an urban clearway signpost and it's actually a bit out of alignment and it probably needs replacing is a very different kind of you know uh, data yeah. analysis. So there are lots of ways and, 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 and areas where I think AI could really, really enhance the, the service offerings that we provide. 
but it's definitely not there yet. We can do a proportion of things with AI and we, and we certainly are, are exploring a number of opportunities to use AI to do certain automated data analysis processes. But yeah, I, I, I think within five years, we'll be in a vastly different place in terms of automated data analysis and interpretation and, and modelling. Mm. It's interesting times, I think, really historic times as well. Uh, yeah, my, my kids will be doing stuff with AI that is um, pretty spectacular, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure some of those limitations in, in AI will soon be sorted. Thank you so much. I mean, this is brilliant. We've covered all sorts of ground around you know, disrupting markets, finding and working with customers who are early adopters who want to collaborate. We've talked about how to create an innovative culture that facilitates and accelerates this type of innovation. So you can do the day job and innovation in connection. That's that's part of the DNA of the company. And, you know, we've talked about future developments and staying fresh and relevant and always be innovating as well. So there's loads of, of great insight here. I've learned a lot from our conversation. So thank you very much. And I'm sure people at home, work, driving in the gym, listening and watching wherever they are would, would love to learn more as well. So how can they find out more about Cat Surveys and how can they connect with you? They can go to the Cat Surveys website. So that's www.catsurveys.com. They can connect directly with me on LinkedIn. They can follow the Cat Surveys page on LinkedIn. Please feel free to get in touch because I'd be more than happy to chat. And and it's been an absolute pleasure to talk about innovation and, and a bit about what we're doing. Hopefully people will find it interesting. But yeah, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you. Simon, thank you so much. It's been really great talking to you. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for tuning in to the Idea Time Show, brought to you by Dr. Joe North. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and access more completely free resources at bigbangpartnership.co.uk forward slash resources. We'll see you next time.